Hi, this is Robert Furl, and today we're looking at the resurrection and the rapture of the church. These are two controversial positions that people have a tendency to oversimplify, overreact, and who oftentimes are not really secure in their position. Instead of being reasonable, they'll get dogmatic and accusatory and judgmental towards those who don't believe like they do. However, we want to rightly divide the Word of God, 2 Timothy 2.15, and we want to properly compare Scripture to Scripture, making sure that it's in context. And if someone doesn't agree with us on our position on the rapture, we want to be humble and we want to be careful that we don't demonize someone who is a true believer just because they don't agree with our position. The comments section is open below. We would love to hear from you. All we ask is that you be kind, loving, and respectful. And if someone is wrong, then the Bible says in 2 Timothy that you who are spiritual, correct such a one in a spirit of gentleness. And that's all we're asking. If it's not loving, kind, and respectful, then as always, it will be removed. The argument goes that in Revelation 20, four through six, that there is a resurrection. And then it's called the first resurrection. After the millennium, it's called the first resurrection. And so the argument goes that if this is the first resurrection, since the rapture of the church is a resurrection, then there cannot be a rapture until after the millennium. Some people take a little different take on it, and they'll say that the rapture happens after the tribulation period, before the millennium, and then another rapture after that. But they definitely put it after the rapture of the church and say that this disproves the rapture. What we want to be careful about when we're coming up with doctrine is that we don't oversimplify and we don't take it out of context and we compare it with the rest of the Bible. No scripture can stand alone. You can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say if you take one scripture out and have it stand alone against the rest of the Bible. You interpret the Bible by the Bible. We know what scriptures are saying because of the context that the scriptures are in. Now let's start by looking at a resurrection passage, just to kind of get an idea of how the Bible looks at the concept of the resurrection of the saints. I'm talking about Christians being resurrected and brought into their new bodies. We have Old Testament saints who were resurrected. We have New Testament Christians during the time of Jesus, three of them that he resurrected. Uh, we have someone resurrected in the book of Acts, but we're not talking about those because they were resurrected into bodies that would again die. We're talking about the resurrection, when we take on our eternal body, the eternal glory that God has given us. So the first passage that I want us to look at is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I wanna read verses 51 through 53. It starts off by saying, behold, I tell you a mystery. Now, first of all, to, to introduce this concept of the resurrection, he uses the word behold, which means this is something incredible, check this out. If I said to you, behold, I'm going to Walmart later. It doesn't fit. If the, when the Bible uses the term behold, it means something tremendous is about to be mentioned. The second thing he says is, behold, I tell you a mystery. Now this should help us out. The resurrection of the saint is a mystery. We might understand what we know in the Bible, but there are things about the resurrection that we do not know. Therefore, when we become highly dogmatic about something that is a mystery, I wonder about the wisdom of that for us Christians. It goes on to say, behold, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep. And by that, Paul means die. 
When a Christian dies, in the Bible, they refer to it as falling asleep. Jesus did this with Lazarus. He said that he sleeps. Later on, he told him he's dead. And so the reason that the Bible uses that is because when we as believers die, we are going to open up our eyes in the presence of God and we are going to be resurrected. So the Bible refers to us as sleeping. So he says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We are not all going to sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trump will sound. And here again, people often oversimplify. They say, well, there's a trumpet here, the last trumpet. The last trumpet is in Revelation where you have the seven trumpets and the last one is the seventh trumpet. See, a trumpet was meant to gather people together. And so there could be a last trumpet for the Gentiles, a last trumpet for the Jews. Uh, God could have a last trumpet for whatever God wants to do. Just because the last trumpet is mentioned doesn't mean it's in the series of trumpets in the book of Revelation. So it goes on to say, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible. There's, there's the resurrection. The dead are raised incorruptible. What an incredible thing. And then it says, and we shall be changed. That is those who are alive and remain are gonna be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruptible and this mortal must put on mortality. And so here's a picture of the resurrection and it's connected with us being changed in a moment. And I think it's important for us to realize that this is a mystery. Now, the Bible speaks of two resurrections, the resurrection of the saved and the resurrection of the lost, the resurrection of the just and the resurrection of the unjust. So you have all of those that are, are saved, Old Testament, New Testament saints, and they will be part of the resurrection of the just, made justified by the blood of the lamb. And then you have all of those who will be raised for judgment. Imagine that being raised from the dead to stand before the white judgment seat of God and be condemned. We don't wanna be a part of the second resurrection, which in the Bible is called the second death. Let me give you a few verses that show this contrast between the saved and the unsaved and these two resurrections. Starting with Daniel 2.2. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to eternal life, but others to disgrace and everlasting contempt two resurrections. Another one is Jesus in John 5, 28 and 29. He says, do not marvel at this for the hour is coming, which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of the condemnation. Again, it's not divided in a time frame when it's going to happen, but it's divided in the resurrection of life and the resurrection of condemnation. The next one is in Acts 24, 15, says the same kind of thing. Have a hope in God, a hope that they themselves accept that there will be a resurrection, both of the righteous and the unrighteous. So again, there's a resurrection and it's broken up into two parts, the resurrection of the righteous and the resurrection of the unrighteous. When does the first resurrection happen? Well, there's a scripture that speaks of it in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 23 and 24. Listen to what it says. But now Christ is risen from the dead. That's a resurrection. He was the first fruits of it. It goes on to say that. And has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. There's that term fallen asleep again, connected to death. But Jesus comes out of the grave and he's the first fruits of that resurrection. It then goes on to say, for since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, 
even so in Christ all are made alive, each one in his own order. Now, it's telling us here that Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection, and then man is going to be resurrected, all of them in Christ, but each one in order. There's an order to the resurrection. And we'll talk about what that order is here in just a moment. But listen to what it goes on to say. It kind of gives it to us here in the text. It says, but each one in its order, Christ, the first fruits. So he's the first part of the resurrection. There's four stages. He's the first one. Him by himself was the first one to rise from the dead. So Christ, the first fruits. And then it says this, afterwards, those who are Christ's at his coming. So we, the church, are his. And when he returns, we will be resurrected with him, whether we are dead or alive. That is the second stage of it, and it says it here. Then he comes to the end, and that's the resurrection at the end, and we'll talk about that in a moment. When he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and authority and power. So Jesus will come to reign, and at that time, there's another resurrection. According to this passage in 1 Corinthians 15, the resurrection then is not a one moment event, but it's a snapshot. It's backing away and looking at the first resurrection as a whole. In Revelation, as we're gonna see when it says, this is the first resurrection, it doesn't mean that just the end of it is. It means that anyone who is resurrected to Christ is part of the resurrection of the saved or the resurrection of the just. And this is a, a snapshot or an overview of the first resurrection. Now let's take a look at Revelation 20, verses four and five. And I saw thrones and they that sat in them and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and the word of God who had not worshiped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their forehead or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So they are resurrected. When Jesus returns to this earth and establishes his kingdom, he resurrects all the tribulation saints who were martyred for him and they rule and reign with him. This is the third stage or the third group that's in the resurrection. You have Jesus himself, then you've got those who are Christ's, that is the church and the rapture of the church, 1 Thessalonians chapter four. Then you have the tribulation saints who are then resurrected and they rule and reign with Christ. Now listen to what it goes on to say. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. So those who had died during the millennium period, and we take it there are gonna be many who do, they won't be resurrected until the end of it. So that's the final group that will be resurrected at the end of the millennium. But the rest of the dead do not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. So when he makes that statement, he's not saying this resurrection at the very end of the millennium is the first resurrection. He's already told us that those who were martyred were raised and, and ruled and reigned with him for a thousand years. It's telling us that this is the resurrection of the just. There's another resurrection you don't wanna be a part of. The first resurrection, the resurrection of the righteous, the resurrection of the saved, you wanna be a part of. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Really important for us to understand that we have to take the Bible in context. 
and not have things that stand out by themselves and then sit back and go, there, that's what the Bible says, when we haven't done our due diligence to see if the rest of the Bible corresponds with it. So here is the order of the groups in the first resurrection. First of all, there's the resurrection of Jesus, and he is the first fruits of the resurrection. The second is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, when it says that I do not want you to be unaware of those who have fallen asleep and that they are going to be resurrected first, and then we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That's the church. And we will not go through the tribulation period. Jeremiah 37 says that the day of the Lord is dreadful. It is a time of Jacob's trouble and he will be saved out of it. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. So it's a time of Israel's trouble and he will be saved out of it. God is using it to complete the work that he wants to do in the nation of Israel. That's what it says in Daniel chapter nine as well, that he is completing what he's going to do with Jerusalem and Israel during this final 70th week of Daniel or the last seven year period. Third is the resurrection of the tribulation saints. And we would believe then the Old Testament saints who are now with God in the intermediate state, but they will be resurrected. And finally, at the end of the millennium period, when all of those who died in Christ during the millennium will be resurrected and are still part of the first resurrection, which is the resurrection of the just, not the resurrection of the unjust. To give an analogy, the resurrection is like a football game. It's one football game with four quarters. There's one resurrection, the first resurrection, that has four groups that go with it, including Jesus rising from the dead. Then there's the second resurrection, which is gonna have all of those who are going to be condemned. I find this argument that the mention of the first resurrection in Revelation chapter 20, proof that there is no rapture or that the rapture doesn't happen until after the tribulation, there's those two different groups. I find it uncompelling biblically. I find that it doesn't deal with the passages like 1 Corinthians 15, 23 and 24. If you're gonna make a statement like that, then at least you've got to go back and deal with those passages. Any position has, has difficulties to it. And you've got to go back and look and see if those difficulties make your argument true or not. Because we all want to know what the truth is. We're seeking to know what God's word says so we can know what we believe. Beware of someone that makes an overly simplistic statement. Like we know when the rapture happens, when the seventh trumpet blows, that's the last trumpet, period. And then they move on. The Bible tells us that we need to be like the Bereans who were more fair-minded than the Thessalonians, who received the word of God with all joy, but they searched the scriptures daily to see if those things are true. When someone makes an argument that I haven't heard before, or someone makes an argument and then puts a period on it, I want to examine it. I want to give it some credence, but I've got to compare it to scripture and rightly divide the word of God. And there comes a point where you dismiss an argument or you accept it. Now, if you've never developed a relationship with Christ, if you don't know him, I can't imagine why you'd be watching this video if you didn't, but just in case you're here and you're watching this and you are not part of the first resurrection, then the way that you do that is to receive Jesus. John 1:12 says, as many as receive him, he gives the right to become a child of God to those who believe in his name. You pray, you invite him in, you surrender your life to him, you repent and you turn from the way that you live to the way that God wants you to live. And as you do that, God will transform you. Jesus said in John 17, three, and this is eternal life, that they know the one true God and the son whom he sent. 
Eternal life is knowing Jesus. That's what he's drawing you to. That's what he's calling you to. And if you receive him today, you will not be part of the second resurrection, the second death, but you will be part of the first resurrection. And that's what all of us want. And that's what we want for you. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time on Hot Topics.